Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Second Samuel, if you have your Bibles. I want to just continue on. We started a series this weekend with Thrive on personal evangelism and soul winning. And I'm I just going to pick right up where we've left off. As you're turning there, I wrote down some highlights from the weekend that I want to share with you. Because I know that some of you weren't able to be here and others of you, you know, you just... You just missed. And so that's okay. I'm going to recap with you what you missed because we had a great weekend. And so you're going to get it one way or the other. But uh, anyway, some of, the, some of the things that I thought was uh, helpful and uh, beneficial, I just wrote some of these down. You can jot them down this morning. That the multitudes did not follow programs, but they followed men. The multitudes that followed Jesus followed Jesus. They followed the disciples. They weren't following programs. And so sometimes we get caught up in our systematic ways of doing evangelism. And I'm all about systemizing and systems and organization, but people want to know that you love them. They don't care. What's the old saying? They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so we want to love on people. Secondly, don't let the fish slip away. Jesus went, you know, when you're out, if you're out fishing, have you ever caught a fish before and you're holding it with your hand and it wiggles on out and jumps in back and you're like, oh man, don't let the fish slip away. When, you, when you're out fishing, Jesus went out, he was fishing, he was walking through town and Zacchaeus was up in a tree and Jesus looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, we all know the song. Come on down, I'm for him. Going to your house today for him. And Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree. And Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, not just to have a good meal, but he's following up. Zacchaeus has made a decision to follow Jesus. And so Jesus is going to do follow-up at Zacchaeus' house. How many of you know Zacchaeus probably had some issues that Jesus needed to help him work through? I mean, he just spent his lifetime stealing from people. How many of you think stealing from people would generate some issues you got to deal with? And so Jesus went with him. The Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus spent time with her. And she goes back into the city and tells everybody that she finds, come meet a man who told me everything that I had ever did. And Jesus stayed two more days in the city teaching them, discipling them. And their response was, now we believe, not based just on what this woman said, but we've heard for ourselves the word of the Lord. And that's really our job is to help connect people to hearing the voice of the Lord. Evangelism without intercession is an explosive without a detonator. Intercession without evangelism is a detonator without an explosive. Intercession is the detonator to evangelism. If you want to, to see power-packed evangelism, you have to pray. And if you want to pray, connect it with evangelism. The two always go hand in hand. And so we talked about the power of intercession. You can never fail or derail when you're busy about God's plans. God's specialty is evangelism. God's specialty is soul winning. And he never fails. Amen. 
God's specialty is soul winning, and he never fails. Amen. Jesus' blood, his atonement is sufficient for all who call on the name of the Lord. He is able to save you to the uttermost. He never fails. Number five, why have fellowship and maintain silence? God's brought you into fellowship. Pray, intercede, learn to commune with the Lord. We found out that those that were here have a lot of marriage problems because they don't understand communion with their spouse. And so we, we recognize those that were, you, you To understand that joke, you just have to be here. Number six, disciples were not sent as secret agents, but they were sent as ambassadors with full authority from their king. You and I are called and commissioned by the king himself, and the, the transfer of authority has happened. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go. Go and preach. Go and make disciples. And so we go with the full authority of our king. We can't change the message. We can't change the conditions of the message. We can't negotiate the content of the message. But we become an ambassador of Christ, speaking his word with boldness, unashamed. Number seven, we pray from assurance and not lack. We don't operate in a place of lack. As believers, we do not operate from our lack. We operate from assurance, from a place of faith and conviction, knowing that God will supply. Number eight, intercession is a robust and vigorous activity. It requires your vocal cords to engage. If your vocal cords have not engaged in your Christianity, you're missing out on a lot. Because more times than not, in Scripture... Our vocal cords are involved. Sometimes our vocal cords are involved for our own benefit. Sometimes our vocal cords are involved because of others' benefit. But regardless, we engage with, with intercession and soul winning. Number nine, soul winning is not a program, but a passion. Soul winning is not an event, but is it a lifestyle. We don't just do soul winning because we scheduled a special conference to talk about it. Is anybody out there this morning? Maybe, maybe you're being convicted and that's why you're just quiet this morning. We don't, we don't do soul winning just because our pastor schedules a special weekend to do so. Soul winning is a part of our life. Everywhere we go, we're looking for the lost around us. Every day, everywhere. Who is God crossing your path with? Who is God placed in your path to minister to? And then number 10, give out of what you've received. God has poured out abundant supply in your life so out of what God has given you. So we had a great weekend. Amen. Make sure you're here next week, next month. Make sure you're here next week too. Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 23. These are the names of the mighty men. We'll skip on down verse 13. He goes through, he lists all the mighty men. We're going to talk about them in a moment. Verse 13. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephim. David was there in a stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it up to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, 
O Lord, that I should do this? Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear, Lord. Father, that we would not just hear words from myself today, but God, that you would begin to grip our hearts, Lord, that we would hear from the Father's heart today, Lord, that we could hear the words from the cross today, Lord, that we can hear the words, Lord, that are still ringing, Lord, still ringing true today, Lord, that you are the Savior of the world. Father, I pray this morning, come on, why don't you all just agree with me in prayer this morning, Lord, I pray for my friends that are here this morning, God, that you would begin to open our hearts, open our minds, Lord, open our spirit, man, to the reality of souls, Lord, the reality of the importance of evangelism and soul winning. God, I thank you for it. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, today for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for lives being changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just kind of set the stage for you here this morning of what we just read. David is in his tent. He's hanging out in his tent. The battle's going on. And the Philistines are in Bethlehem. They've, they've taken over the city. David is outside the city. He's hanging out in his tent. And all of the Philistines, remember the Philistines, the giants, these people that they have fought and fought and fought and fought. And they're all camping out in Bethlehem where the, where the well of Bethlehem is at. Now the well of Bethlehem was a, it was a water well. It was deep in the ground. It was, took a little working to get to. But it was also known for the quality of water that it supplied. It was, it was where you would want to get water. If you were thirsty, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been really thirsty. And you said, man, if I could just get a drink of water. I just want, and I'm not just any drink, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a certain kind of water. We, we like a certain kind of water. You know, we're little water snobs. We like certain water. We'll drink any kind of water, but there's this one kind of water that I just really like. I like the flavor, the taste of it. Have you ever taken a drink of water that you just really didn't like? Or maybe water in a foreign country that you really shouldn't have drinking and you find out that you've been there. And you, and you drink, you know, oh Lord, I shouldn't have had that water. <laughs> that, that was not smart. And David's fighting the battle and he wants a drink of water from Bethlehem's well. And his three mighty men over here, he's got 30 mighty men, but three of, three of them are mighty men. They're men. You don't want to mess with these boys. These boys are going to rock your world if you try to mess with David. They're going, to, they're going to let you have it if you try to touch David, their anointed ruler, the guy that they're submitting to. These three mighty men, the Bible tells us about them. There's Josheb, Bashebabeth. We'll just say that's his name. If you can pronounce it better, God bless you. But, but the Bible says that he killed 800 men by himself. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I want to cross somebody that barehandedly killed 800 men. And then there's Eleazar, the son of Dodo. You know, I don't think he got much, uh, much headache by, about his name. <laughs> I don't think people really gave him grief about his name. Hey, Dodo, how you doing today? Don't think they would do that. The reason is because he was known, when, I, when everybody was retreating from the Philistines, everybody was running away, this man grabs a sword and he goes after him and he kills all of these Philistines until the Bible says until his hand stuck to his sword. Talk about a warrior, someone that could kill all of these people and now his hand is literally stuck to a sword. And then there's Shammah. You might remember me talking about Shammah. I called him Shamu. 
The guy, you remember him? Don't touch my lentils guy. Some of you might remember him. Shamu here, Shama. Everybody was running from the Philistines, and the Philistines are trying to take over the lentil field. And he takes a stand against he takes a stand against the Philistines, and he defends the lentil field. I mean, all of us are they let them have the lentils, not this guy. <laughs> let it, let them have the peas, buddy. It's not that big of a deal. Nope, not Shama. He is he is fighting to the death to protect the field. You can't have my lentils. This was this guy. And so these are the three men that hear David say, we want, I want a drink of water. That's, these are the guys. I want a drink of water. And they don't, they don't even second guess it. They don't even second guess it. They start off themselves. Loyalty does not wait for a command. Loyalty doesn't wait for a command. They knew the mind of their master and off they went about his business. And so they take off and they, they head down to the garrison where, where the, the Philippines are, or the Philippines, the Philistines are. <laughs> they might have been Filipino too. We don't know. <laughs> they, head, they head off to the Philistines camp to go get a drink of water. Now, I want you to think about this. These three men have to take on the Philistines themselves. This wasn't a leisurely stroll through the park. These are all the Philistines. Are like, Who are you and why are you coming? What are you doing in Bethlehem? You're coming into our territory. And so it's a fight. Swords are drawn and they start fighting their way to the well where David wants a drink. And so they start fighting. They start killing all the Philistines. I mean, they're, they're going for it. Now, they get to the well. Now, I don't know if you've ever gotten water from a well before, but this is going to take a little bit of an effort and a little bit of strategy because not only does someone have to fish out the water from the well, however that happened, whether there was a you know, bucket going down or somebody had to lay in there and somebody held him, whatever the case is, they, it was a little bit of work to get the water out of the well. And so they had to have someone getting the water. Maybe even two of them had to work to get the water. And then someone or two of them had to fight the Philistines to keep them away. Can you imagine the scene with me? I mean, this would make a great movie. All over, all over a cup of water. You know, they just want a cup of water is all they're after. And they're fighting the Philistines to protect each other. And then they start heading back to the... To the um, Garrison, and now this is going to take a little bit of effort too, because they've got the guy carrying the water. So we, the whole point of the mission, remember, the whole point of the mission is to get David a drink of water. So whoever's got the water, guess, guess who he's protected by? I mean, they're, they're giving their life to protect the one with the water. Let's make sure that he does. It. We can die, but this guy cannot die. He's got the water. He's the whole point of the mission. He's got to get back to David if none of us do. And so the, the protection that's going on of the guy with the water. And these guys are laying down their lives. Are you getting the picture here this morning? They're, they're laying down their lives just so David could have a drink. Just so David could have a drink of water. They're, they're loyal to their king. They're loyal to the man that God's called them to serve. And they get back to David's tent. I love this picture. They come back to David's tent. I'm sure that their clothes were covered in enemy blood. Dirt from the ground and fighting. Their swords are dripping with blood. And they come back, the three of them. They have, and, and to me, I'm thinking, my first thought about all of this is, dudes, if you could take them on, why didn't you just wipe them out? 
we just we could just finish this up. Like, forget the water, just kill them all, and we'll just finish. We'll just finish this. But that's not what they did. They went in. They had a purpose. Their master wanted a drink of water. Their king wanted a drink of water. And they come back, dirty, blood-stained, and they bring the water to David. And David looks at them, and he looks at the water. And out of humility, he pours the water out as an offering before the Lord and says, I cannot drink this. I will not drink this. And he pours it out before the Lord. And what he's saying in that moment to those three men is this. I honor you as heroes. I, even though I'm the king, even though I can choose to drink this water, and it's, it, it could be, in essence, all about me, I'm not worthy to even drink the water that you offered your life to get. I'm not worthy to even begin to touch this water. This is an offering before the Lord, and he honors them as heroes that day. He honors all three of them, even above himself as a hero. Now, I want to take a look at this, this passage of Scripture and just kind of think about this for a moment. Much like the well in Bethlehem, how it was sunken down and they had to work to get the water. There are souls, there are people all around us that are sunken deep into the darkness of the demonic. They're sunken deep in their sin. They're in Satan's grasp, just like the, the well was in the, the boundaries of the Philistine camp. Even so, there are people who are in the grip of Satan himself. And it takes us who will say, I will be a warrior in the midst of a dark world world. I will step up. I will take hold of my sword and I am going to battle for my Lord. I am going to battle to see souls saved. I will be a warrior that faces the enemy head on and I will rescue those who are dying out of Satan's grasp. Today, I, I want to say to you, where are the warriors? Where have the warriors gone? Where have those, where are those who will fight, who will endure to the end, who will fight, who will face hell head on and say, it's not about me. It's not about what makes me comfortable. And not, it's not about what makes me feel good. But it's about souls. It's about eternity. It's about reaching the lost. Where are the warriors where they've gone? Where are the men that the Bible talks of? In Hebrews 11, it says this, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, and yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. Where are the warriors? Where are those who will step up and say by faith, I am looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm not going to rest until I enter that city. And I'm not going by myself. I'm taking others with me. I'm not going by myself before the throne, but I'm taking somebody. I'm taking someone with me. I don't know if you hear me this morning. Maybe, just maybe this morning, I pray that the Lord would stir in you a passion again for souls. 
People, people, warriors, people like Martin Luther who face death itself. We want you to recant, Luther. Take back your theses, Luther. Stop preaching against the church, Luther. And Luther said, here I stand. I won't recant. Ran for his life and interpreted the scriptures into a language that they could read. I will not recant. I will not back down. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. People who will stare the enemy in the face and say, I won't back down. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a man who in the time of the Nazi and Hitler regime, who would preach the gospel, preached an uncompromised gospel. His message today even rings true for us about grace and how grace is not cheap grace as he called it. It is, the, it is expensive. It is the grace of God that changes us and liberates us from our past. It doesn't condone our sin but sets us free from it. He, he became, Dietrich Bonhoeffer went and he began to rescue Jews out of the, the, out of the captivity and things that were happening. He gave his life. He gave everything. He gave his life. He even became at one point a double agent. Working for the Nazis but trying to rescue the Jews. And he was executed one month before Germany surrendered. The Nazis surrendered. One month, he gave everything that he had. And his books, his sermons still ring true for us today. John Huss, maybe you've heard of his name. He was inspired by Wycliffe. This is what history says about him. He was formally condemned. He was handed over to the secular authorities to be burned at the stake on July 6, 1415. On the way to the place of his execution, he passed a churchyard and saw a bonfire of his books. He laughed and told his bystanders not to believe the lies circulated about him. Arriving at the place of execution, he was asked by the empire's marshal if he would finally retract his views. And Huss replied, God is my witness that the evidence against me is false. I have never thought nor preached except with the one intention of winning men, if possible, from their sins. Today, I will gladly die. And the fire was lit, and as the flames engulfed him, Huss began to sing in Latin a Christian chant, Christ, thou Son of the living God, have mercy upon me. Where are those who will lay down their lives? If you lose your life for my sake, Jesus said, then you will find it. You know, it's not a popular message. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to offend them. The message of the gospel is offensive. It doesn't mean that you have to add your own offense to it. <laughs> it's offensive in and of itself. Everybody today wants us to just tolerate sin. Tolerate and, and just look over it. Listen, sin is sin. I don't care what sin it is. God loves you even though you are absolutely wretched and filthy. doesn't matter what your poison is. It's sin and it's killing you. But Christ came that you could have eternal life. Christ came that you could have peace with God. This world, yeah, it may try. You may try to find peace in this world. You may try to find peace in, in relationships and drugs and alcohol or in, in people or success. But that peace is temporary. Yeah. 
The peace of drugs ends when you find yourself OD'd and in the hospital bed because you can't, you can't go on any longer because you've OD'd. The, the, the peace of, of, and the enjoyment of relationship ends when that person turns their back on you and stabs you in the back. The peace and the joy of success ends when all of a sudden everything that you have is now lost. But my God, when you find yourself enjoying the peace of the Lord, it never fades, it never goes away. My peace, Jesus said, I leave with you. Not as the world gives. My peace. In John chapter 19, as we continue along this thought of the thirst of David. In John chapter 19, verse 28, it says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. That statement is still ringing in our ears today. The cry from the cross, I thirst. Can you hear his voice saying, I thirst? His thirst, his thirst today. The thirst, the physical thirst of Jesus was driven by a spiritual thirst for souls. He found himself on the cross, thirsty for the redemption of man, thirsty for the redemption of the lost. And it drove him to the cross and he cried out, I thirst. Can we find ourselves like David's mighty men, willing to rush into battle, willing to face the enemy, willing to find a drink for our master who's crying out today for souls? He's crying out for souls. Jesus said in John 18, 37, on, as a part of his trial, he said this, For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Jesus Christ has come today to redeem fallen man. Look this way. Christ has come to redeem the lost. That is our mission. Acts 1.8 is the vision of our church. And you shall receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You have received power to be witnesses. It is, it is why we exist. If you try to disconnect the power of God from the purposes of God, you'll be a loose cannon. But all of a sudden, when you begin to connect His power to His purpose... Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those that were lost. I'm thirsty. I can hear him saying today, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for the lost. I'm thirsty for the lost. I'm thirsty for the hurting. I'm thirsty for the broken. You know, I said it this week and so many times. We can get caught up in, in life, in circumstances, in, in, in church life. Churches go through transition and change, leadership change, and all that happens. We can get so caught up in all that happens, and all of a sudden the main thing becomes the back burner. We go into survival mode. We've got to just make it. I've got to store up. I've got to save up. God has never called us to go into back burner mode with the saving of the lost. God's never called us to go into reservation mode and, and, and forget about the lost. He's called us to a lost and dying world. That's why we exist. You've been given the power of the gospel. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been given everything that you need.
to reach the lost. You have the sword at your side. You have the equipment, the boldness, the, the, the compassion, everything that you'd need to rush forward into the Philistines' camp and say, Philistines, you better get out of my way because I'm after some water for my master. You better move on out of the way. You don't want to deal with this. <laughs> Devil, you don't want to mess with me because I'm just going to keep on worshiping. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on soul winning. You can do what you want and say what you want, but I'm going to keep on keeping on. You can't shut me up. I got a newsflash for you. You can't shut me up. I've seen too much. I've tasted too much. Our hearts burn for the lost. Does yours? Is your heart burning for the lost souls? Is your heart burning for the lost? I can always tell by what you give. I'm not just talking about finances. Although Jesus said where your treasure is, your heart will be also. These men gave their lives. They gave their lives. You can always tell the priority of others when it comes to soul winning. Where are their priorities? Where are their passion? Well, I'm not an evangelist, Pastor. I'm not asking whether or not you're an evangelist. I'm asking if you're born again. If you're born again, if you've experienced, if you've tasted... I love, what, I've, I love what Alicia said. You know, I realized, I really didn't want to go out on the street, but I realized my passion is not where it should be for the lost, and so I needed to go out on the street. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I know my passion for the lost has waned, then guess where you need to be? Out on the streets. You need to be intentionally placing yourself in, in a place to win the lost. These men, the, the men of David, they went after. They put themselves in a place to get the water. They went, even though it was behind enemy lines, they went where the water was. They went where those, let's say, where the hurting was. They went where the broken were. They went where those who were in the enemy's grip were. Sometimes... We have to break outside of what we're comfortable with. Sometimes, you know, my, my story is, you know, I, I grew up in church. I grew up in the church world, church boy. My wife is the opposite story. She grew, well, she grew up in a Catholic church, but she spent a lot of her time drugs and all the other stuff. Totally different stories. For me, if, when you would have, for, if you would have asked me, 10, 12 years ago, whatever, 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Hey, you want to go love on the drug addicts? The homeless? In my head, I would be thinking, you have lost your mind. <laughs> Remember, I'm the church boy. I don't, have, I don't have some great testimony. I didn't get delivered from drugs. I didn't, you know, I didn't get delivered from whatever. I don't have a great testimony. You don't want, they don't want to hear from me. I'm just the goofy church boy. They don't want to hear from me. Until one day I decided to do it myself. Because my passion wasn't where it needed to be. So I guess what I did. I went out and I did it. 
And all of a sudden, my heart began to shift. My heart began to change. And all of a sudden, you know what I realized? I'm just sharing this because it might be good for somebody this morning. I realized that the testimony of saving and keeping grace is a lot stronger than the testimony of delivering grace. <laughs> the testimony, I just see it hitting. The testimony of saving and keeping grace is a lot stronger at times than the testimony of delivering grace. Thank God for His grace that kept me. Thank God for His grace that I found the enjoyment in God. That I didn't have to go do the drugs and all the other stupidity stuff and get lost and all the other stupidity. That God kept me. That's a testimony. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I don't feel like I have a, I don't feel like I have a testimony this morning. You have a story with God that only you can tell. You absolutely have a testimony. There is, there is a story. There is, a, you know, each of these, these um, mighty men had a story. Each of these mighty men had a, had a reason they were with David. Each of them had a story that qualified them to be a mighty man. They had fought and killed 800 people. They had whatever. You have a story today that qualifies you to begin to face the enemy head on and say, Devil, I'm not going to let you have my city. Devil, I'm not going to let you have my neighborhood. I'm not going to let you have this region. I'm not going to let you have my family. I am going to stand right here in this. I've seen you deliver me in that lentil field. <laughs> I saw your delivering power in the lentil field. And so I know that you're going to deliver my family. I saw your power at work in my life. I saw your power that sustained me. I saw your power that kept me. I saw your power that delivered me. I saw your power that delivered me and set me free. And so I know that you can do it for my family. I know that you can do it for my community. I know that you can do it for my neighborhood. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Where are the warriors? I thirst. I hear him saying, I thirst. I thirst. Jesus is thirsty for the souls. That's why he came. That's why he came. Is your heart burning with a passion for the lost? Is your life burning with a passion for the lost? Has your life been consumed by the love of the Father for the lost? Or has your life been distracted by your own issues and your own problems and the things that are going on that you've lost sight, lost focus of the main thing? There are people every second going to hell. There are people in this room today, you are on a path to hell. There are people that have been listening to me to preach all morning long. And you're not guaranteed your next breath. You might be here this morning and you're saying, oh, I'm good. I love Jesus. I'm all. And your life has been nothing about religion. It's all, all about religion. And there's no passion. The reality of the gospel is not burning in your heart. The reality of salvation is not burning in your heart. You can say all sorts of great things. You can quote scripture and still be on your way to hell. The devils know all about it. Take a look in Luke 4. They know all about the scripture. They told Jesus scripture. Doesn't mean that you're born again. 
Every second, people are stepping into eternity. For those that have joined us all weekend for Thrive, I pray that your passion for the lost has been ignited. And I pray this morning, those here, your passion's been ignited for the lost. It can be simple. It can be so simple. I told the story, we have, it was so funny, this, a couple months ago, there was this kid that showed up at Night of Hope. I'll wrap up with this story. Y'all can come back, whoever's coming. <laughs> a couple of months ago, this kid showed up at Night of Hope. I met him. Nice kid. Talked to him. The minute that I met him, the Lord just put a burden on my heart for him and just really put a compassion in my heart to pray for him and reach out to him. A couple months later, he showed back up at Night of Hope. Again, his daughter, his, his mom, his grandma. And I intercepted him and talked to him. He said, hey, how's it going? I saw him like five times that night. I mean, it was no joke. I mean, every time I turned around, it was under my feet, unintentionally. I was like, Lord, okay, I get it. <laughs> every time I turn around, here he is. So I talked to him, loved on him, invited him to church. That Sunday, I woke up that Sunday after Night of Hope with him on my mind. I was like, okay, Lord, I pray for Drew. Lord, I don't know what's going on with Drew, but Lord, just, it'd be great to see him in church today. Just touch his heart, Lord. And service is going on that morning. I'm worshiping and I look over my shoulder and guess who's in church? Drew, his mom, and his grandma. And the little daughter's back in children's ministry. I was like, thank you, Lord. So I walk over, meet him, shake his hand, talk to him. Hey, it's good, so good to see you. That service at the altar call, him, his mom, his grandma came to the altar for salvation. And then the other day I was out and about. Notice the story doesn't end with them coming to an altar call. You know, a lot of times it ends when we see people come down to the altar, we say, oh, that's a great story. Okay, we're done. Check the box. No, it's only beginning. It only begins from that point. It's just the beginning. And so I saw him. I was out at the, I was at an ER visit. I was back in the ER room doing an ER visit and um, had been back in the ER for a little while and I came out into the lobby area of the ER and I saw, I'm walking towards one of the family members of the person I was visiting in the ER. I was going to give them the update and I'm walking in, but as I'm walking, I'm doing one of these things because I see this woman and I'm thinking, I know that lady. And she's looking back at me like, I know that guy. (laughs) Who is that? Who is that? And then I look, and there's Drew. I'm like, that's why I know them. That's that's Grandma. <laughs> so hey, how are y'all doing here? I'm to see you again. This time it's at the emergency room. <laughs> what are y'all doing here? <laughs> Start talking. Yesterday I'm out on the streets with everybody, just kind of checking in, riding around the streets, making sure everybody's okay and teams are okay. And I'm driving around. And I pull up to talk to Rick. I pull up on this street to talk to Rick. And I'm, I'm sitting there on the, on the side of the road talking to Rick. And I look over. 
and there's people in this car, they're on the other side of the road, pulled up on the curb out in front of this house. And I look over and guess who it is? <laughs> Drew, his mom, his grandma. Hello, <laughs> again. You never know. You never know who the Lord will put in your path. I'm, I'm looking around. I hope I'm not going to embarrass Sarah, but um, I was at, it's so funny. I'm going to tell this story. So I know I said I was closing with that story, but I, my eye caught Sarah and Gilbert this morning. So I, I, I'm at O'Charlie's not long after, probably how long, that was a year ago too, maybe a year and a half. I'm at O'Charlie's. I don't ever go to O'Charlie's. And I'm, I promise, I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, man, I really would like a salad today. Who goes to O'Charlie's for salads? Not, and that wasn't in my radar. I was like, I want a salad. So I go to O'Charlie's. I'm thinking, why am I going to O'Charlie's for a salad? I have no clue. I didn't know they had good salads, by the way. I didn't realize that. Because I don't go to O'Charlie's. <laughs> so, so I'm not talking about Bob Evans this morning. I'm talking about O'Charlie's. <laughs> so go to O'Charlie's and sit down and eat my meal, you know, go through. And, and Sarah was my waitress. And she said, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to be weird or anything, however she said, but are you a pastor? And I said, well, yes, I am. <laughs> and, and she said, are you the pastor at Celebration Church? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, well, we used, me and my husband used to go there. So we started talking. She's like, we haven't been a long time. She said, I'm so glad I ran into you. We just were talking about going back to church. And lo and behold, the next Sunday they were here. Which, by the way, they're really awesome people. If you don't know them, you should meet. And I don't know if she still works at O'Charlie's, but, I, you know, she might be able to. I didn't think you did. But anyway, you can meet them later. You just never know. Simple little things. Simple little things. Look for the God moment. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.